Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Strong in Suffering Sermon Series, which goes through the book of 1 Peter. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I, I want to uh, just jump right back in our study, of course. We've been in 1 Peter. We started the series just about two weeks ago, and uh, I thought it to be a helpful series, the idea of being strong in suffering. And um, the, the reason we got into it is because of the reason of why Peter wrote the, the letter. Uh, if you go and you do some research, you can find just really with even just a casual reading of 1 Peter. If you just sat down and just read the five chapters just kind of by yourself, not really digging deep into it, uh, it wouldn't take you long to realize that Peter had a burden for people who were going through trials. And the truth of the matter is it's not, it's not about uh, if you're going to go through a trial, it's when, isn't it? Man, every one of us, we go through trials, and we go through seasons of suffering. And uh, so Peter, he wrote, he wrote this letter to these early believers, challenging them to understand that even in suffering, you can experience grace. Man, you can experience that enabling strength that only God can give. And uh, the, the key to that, 1 Peter chapter 5, is where you read where he, he wrote these words, uh, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus... After that ye have suffered a while, Christ, Jesus, is going to make you perfect, and he's going to establish you, and he's going to strengthen you, and he's going to settle you. And then Peter said this, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. But verse 12, he said, by Silvanus, or Silas, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly. So this is what he's saying, hey, here's why Silas and I wrote this letter to you. I wrote it to you that uh, you might be exhorted exhorting you and testifying, notice what he says, that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. The whole reason I'm writing this to you, uh, believer, and you can go back to 1 Peter 1 and see who he's writing to, the entire reason I'm writing it to you is so that you can know that in hard times, you can stand in grace. You don't have to cower through hard times. You don't have to slump through hard times. You don't have to fall through hard times. You don't have to struggle. You can be strong in suffering. And so that's the series that we've been in. And we've been going through this letter that Peter wrote. And as you kind of open the, the book up so far, we've, we've been helped by Peter in kind of helping us understand that what we got in salvation was a lot more than what we saw about salvation. And uh, if you go back to 1 Peter chapter number one, Peter writes about it. Hey, listen, I wanna write to you about the great salvation that you have. It's so much more than you could imagine. And he gives some thoughts there. He says, you gotta understand that it's greater than you could have ever imagined because when you trusted Christ as savior, you got an inheritance, an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's, it, it, it's not gonna vanish. It's undefiled. There's, it's pure. It fades not away. And then he says that it's reserved in heaven for you in First uh, Peter chapter one, verse number five, and it's kept, it's held by the power of God. Man, and Peter really, he gets excited. If you kind of read it through his eyes, he's excited about this saying, hey, you need to understand that when you got saved and you got more than just eternal life in heaven, you got something where, where you are going to be completely blessed beyond measure when you get to heaven. Man, there's a great reservation for us, isn't there? But then he said, on top of that, you have reason to rejoice. 
Your salvation brings you rejoicing joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And he says it multiple times in those first eight verses about you can have joy in salvation, even in struggles, even in suffering. But then he goes in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, he says, hey, your reality is what other people have dreamed of. The prophets, they wrote about it, but they never experienced it. They wrote about salvation through Christ, but they never knew what that really was like. And the angels, this is something, your salvation is something the angels desire to look into. Man, angels wish they could know what it's like to have the Savior die for them. You see, Jesus didn't die for the angels. He died for me and you. And so what you and I live as a reality, others have only dreamed of. So what we got in salvation was way more than what we saw in salvation. But then last week, we got into the idea and understanding that when we got saved, it changes some things. The very first word of verse number 13 of chapter number one of 1 Peter, the very first word is wherefore. Hey, because of this, the very first word of chapter two, verse number one is wherefore. Hey, because you're saved, some things are gonna change. Well, what changes? Well, last week we learned that since I'm saved, my salvation, it changes how I think. Man, I can go through life and I can think actively. Don't just let my mind wander. I can think seriously knowing that uh, there is more to this life than what I see. And I can, th- I can think confidently. Hey, I don't have to worry if God's in control or not in control because I know he is. I have a hope that is sure and steadfast. And Peter writes much about that hope. So it changes uh, how I think. And then he also says it changes your heart. It changes your motivations. You and I, because of our salvation, we now have the opportunity as children to be holy as he is holy. Man, we have the nature of God in us, and so we can have a holy inside, not just a holy external, and we talked about that even again this morning. And then Peter wrote that it changes, my salvation changes how I think about other believers. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, number uh, uh, 21 and 22, he says, hey, since you're saved, see then that you love with a, uh, an unfeigned love, an unhypocritical love. Hey, you, since you're saved, You can love other believers. You can love other people who know me. It brings a common bond to each other. Well, this morning, or this morning, tonight, as we continue, we're gonna see that he's just gonna keep going with these changes. Hey, these changes, once you get saved, there's some more changes that come into your life. And before we really get get into the passage tonight, I wonder how many of you, uh, your taste buds changed from when you were a kid to now when maybe when you're an adult. How many of you would say that's true? Man, probably all of us, huh? Man, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my mom, she'd serve up something, maybe had tomato, onions, or pickles on it. I would not eat it at all. I wouldn't eat it. Tomato, onion, pickles. Uh, if, it, if, it, if it was even touching my, I loved salad as a kid. Loved salad as a kid. If there was a pickle or a tomato in my salad, I wouldn't eat it. I was like, well, pick it out. I don't want to pick it out. Tomato juice is in there. But now, now, I don't, I don't mind eating tomatoes, onions, and pickles still a little, eh, but I'll eat them. It's not a, not a big deal. Man, my taste buds have changed. Why? Because as I've grown, man, those, uh, the, the body brings out some new desires, doesn't it? And those taste buds begin to, begin to mature and change a little bit. Well, when you look at salvation, when you got saved, it brings brand new desires into your life. And what we have to do as believers is allow those desires to continue to grow. 
Tonight, we're going to look in the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we're going to notice four new desires that God brings into our life when we trust him as Savior. Our passage tonight is 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 23 in the the verses aren't on the screen tonight, so you just follow along in the Bible. If you're at home, I hope you have your Bible already open, First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 23. Peter writes this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but in, of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all uh, glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and uh, all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious." To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is... Contained in the scriptures, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that or or so so that or in order that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Man, I think Peter was glad to be saved, don't you? Man, I read through these words and I see Peter as one that's saying, hey, listen, when you got saved, things changed in your life and God brings into you just new desires, some new goals that you have as a believer. And so this this evening, what I wanna do is just simply go into the word of God and look at these four thoughts, four quick things tonight that are new desires that God brings into the life of every single believer. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the word of God tonight. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for this morning's service. God, thank you for the challenge that we saw from 1 Samuel of how you see people differently and situations differently. And then, Lord, I thank you for what's before us tonight in the book of 1 Peter. Lord, I'm thankful that you already have something for us out of your word. And so, God, tonight I pray that you would help us, whether we're here in person or we're watching online. God, I pray again that you would capture our attention tonight. And, Father, that we would once again be challenged from you and, uh, and or to hear from you and be challenged by you. Lord, I pray that if there's someone watching tonight that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, if there's someone here that doesn't know that they're going to heaven, I pray that tonight would be the night they have that relationship started with you, that they receive you as their personal Savior and put their faith and trust completely in you. We love you. We pray that you'd bless our time and speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. As you come to 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 23 through chapter 2, verse number 10, what we see Peter doing right at the onslaught of this is he, he turns the subject matter towards the word of God. And here's what he says in verse 23 and 24. He's basically saying, hey, when you trusted Christ, that need the need of being born again, the need of being uh, saved, it was brought to your attention because of the word of God. God brought you, God showed you that because of his word. It wasn't uh, some theophany, some uh, epiphany that you have. It wasn't some dream that you had. No, somebody showed you the word of God and showed you you were a sinner and you came to know Christ as your savior. And then he proceeds to say, oh, and by the way, God's word endures. You can have confidence. Really, he's trying to uh, uh, establish credibility. He's saying, hey, the message that you have, it is true. You don't need to doubt it. Everything that you've been given, it is from God. It will stand. And he actually quotes from Isaiah chapter number 40, verses 6 through 8. He quotes these words that Isaiah said. It says, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. Because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Man, those are the words that Peter is, is quoting. He's saying, hey, you've got to remember and understand that your salvation, it is not built upon the message that man can bring. It is built upon something that only God can bring into your life. Boy, if you look at the book of Acts, the apostles, when they were uh, instrumental in the start of the churches in, in Jerusalem and Antioch, that was something they taught to people all the time. This was something that Paul wrote to people. Hey, uh, we, we preached the word of God unto you so that your faith would not stand in man's wisdom, but that your faith would be founded and grounded and stand upon the word of God. So this is what Peter's doing, the same thing Paul did in Corinthians. He's just saying, hey, you need to recall and understand that when you got saved, When you got saved, you were saved because of the wonderful truth shown you through the word of God. It is something confident that you can stand upon. Your faith is sure. It is a hope that is steadfast. It is something that will not fade away. It is here to stay forever. But then he gives you some some of the, what I'm gonna call the wherefores (laughs) because of this. All right, so... Chapter one, you're saved and your salvation has changed your point of view. The end of chapter one, your salvation is completely founded upon the truth that you know to be, that you've had from the word of God. It's solid. Chapter two, here's how it should affect you. Here's what salvation should do in your life. It's gonna change some of our desires. Well, what are our desires gonna be? Notice with me tonight, number one, that we're going to have a desire, someone who's saved, someone who knows Christ as Savior, there is going to be a desire to be right with God, to be right with him. Notice what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 1. He says this, wherefore, the wherefore, of course, because of this. Uh, you see a wherefore, therefore, you go back and see what it's there for. The old saying, everybody knows that one. Uh, man, when you see that, you got to figure out why is it there? What's he saying? Paul, Peter is saying, hey, since you're saved and since you're founded on the word of God, Here's something to do. What should I do? Lay aside. Lay aside. The word lay aside, it, it means to cast off as a garment. Lay aside, cast off as a garment. Now you men have a reason to leave your laundry out. 
Uh, it's biblical. It, to cast off, it's just like you go home and just throw the, just throw the coat off, just throw the shoes off. Just, it's just to cast off. That's what the word lay aside means. It means I'm gonna cast it off as a garment, and, and really it's as a dirty garment. You ever come in, those of you uh, maybe that have worked outside or you, I don't, I don't know, maybe you're uh, digging a hole outside, even when you were a kid and you're playing in the sand or playing in the dirt outside and you come in the house and what's your mom say or what does your wife say? Uh, hey, 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 you better take those shoes off. Hey, no, take those socks off. I know some people, they'll come in and, and they're, you know, when I was a kid, my mom was like, you're changing in the garage. You're not bringing any of that in here. I don't want any of that dirt in here. Look at you. Look at you. You're filthy. And that was just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> just kidding. You know what? As, as a kid and, and even as an adult, man, when you're all grubby and, and gross, people don't want to be around you. People don't want that stench. And so what do you do? Man, you cast those clothes off. You get out of them. You get showered up. You get, hopefully, you get showered up and get changed. That, that's the word lay aside. In the New Testament, it's also, <coughs> excuse me, it's used as the word The phrase put off. Paul wrote about it in Colossians and Ephesians. We'll see in a second. Well, what are we supposed to lay aside? What are we supposed to put off? Well, there's a list right there. What's the list? Well, malice. Malice is evil intentions. It's kind of that uh, inward frustration that maybe wants to get even at other people. Malice, and all of these deal with the heart, by the way. Malice, evil intentions, guile, it's deceitfulness. It's being someone who uh, is trying to uh, go about uh, telling lies and deceiving. Hypocrisies, this is to be someone on the outside different than what you are on the inside. Envies, this is that jealousy and desire uh, to get even with somebody or they have something that you want, that jealous spirit. And then evil speaking, this is uh, to uh, really be backbiting or gossiping. All of these things are heart sins. And here's what Peter says. Hey, since you're saved, there's gonna be a desire to put those things off. Why? Because I wanna be right with God. I wanna have a healthy relationship with God. When you're saved and you know Christ, you're gonna have a desire to put off the old way of living, the old man. You're going to uh, want to deal with the sins of your heart. And Peter, excuse me, Paul wrote about this much. Ephesians chapter four, verse 21 through 24, Paul said this, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old lifestyle, the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the inner man, And put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians chapter 3, he wrote to the church at Colossae, verse 8 through 10. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Ye have laid aside that old dirty garment, and you have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him, That created him. Hey, when you got saved, when you and I trust Christ as our Savior, man, God puts in us a new desire. What's the desire? A desire to be right with him. Man, I don't want those heart sins in me. I talked this morning about being disappointed. You want to know why a lot of Christians, why we often get disappointed in ourselves? Often it's not because of the outward. We get disappointed in ourselves because we know what's really in here. We know, we know those intentions. 
We know sometimes maybe those, uh, uh, those um, characteristics that crossed our mind, those thoughts that crossed our mind. We know that anger that might be there or that jealousy that's driving something. And so we get disappointed. Man, for someone who knows Christ as Savior, there's gonna be, there is going to be a little bit of a frustration with myself. Man, man, I, I don't want to do that. Why? Because I want to be right with God. Well, that's not something that's there because of the flesh. The flesh has no desire to be right with God. Man, it's that new man. It's a new desire, a new desire. I just want to be right with him. James said it this way in James 1, 21 and 22, wherefore laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James was writing and saying, hey, listen, you need to receive the word into your heart. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of it. This is what Peter is writing. He's saying, the word of God has affected you, and because of that, it should give you a new desire. What's one of my new desires? To be right with God. Secondly, a new desire is uh, the desire to grow in him. The desire to grow in him. I've never known a seven-year-old kid that didn't want to be eight years old. I never knew a 12-year-old kid. I've never known a 12-year-old kid that said, if I never turn 13, I'm fine. Every 12-year-old wants to be 13. I've never known a 17-year-old that looks at 18 and goes, meh. Man, every 17-year-old wants to be 18. 18 want to be 21. 21 wants to be 25. 25 wants to be 30. 30 wants to be 15. (laughs) That's usually how it works. You know what? The, the natural physical growth is aging. And as you age, you mature. But part of that aging is to grow. Well, for a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the most natural spiritual responses to my salvation is I'm going to want to grow in the Lord. I don't want to be a one-year-old Christian. I want to be a two-year-old Christian. I want to be a five-year-old Christian. I want to have the maturity of a 15-year-old Christian. I want to have the maturity of a 25-year-old Christian. I want that maturity. I want that growth. I want that knowledge. Man, I want to keep looking and keep growing. And here's what Peter says. Notice it with me. Chapter Chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Peter says this, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be... You have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I love Peter's thought, and, and uh, I, man, I wish I could convey it better to you. But when he ends chapter number one, he's saying, hey, listen, your salvation is founded upon the word of God. Get sins out of your life. And since you have God's word, since you have the Holy Scripture, you need to be like a baby. That's longing for nourishment. Be like a child, a child that's longing for the bottle, a child that's longing for that milk. And you know what? A child who's longing for milk, do you know when they're hungry? Yeah. And nothing's gonna satisfy them except, I mean, a binky only works so long. You gotta get a bottle, gotta get a milk. And once they start getting milk, man, that's when real growth starts taking place in a baby's life. Peter makes a great comparison. Hey, when you got saved, you're a newborn in Christ. That word of God, 
it's solid. The word of God is what showed you everything you needed to know about Jesus Christ. So get sin out and allow yourself to be drawn back to the word of God. Just like a baby desires that milk, we should desire the sincere milk of the word. But then I love verse number three. Because verse three, he gives the motivation. Verse number three, he says basically this. Hey, has the Lord been gracious to you? Hey, has God been good in your life? If so be that you've tasted of the graciousness of the Lord. Hey, if you know, if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, don't you want more? Don't you wanna know his grace even more? Don't you wanna know his power even more? Don't you want to know the mercy and the, the excitement? Don't you want to know the next step that God has for you even more? I'll tell you right now that every single one of us, we could look and we could say, man, God has been gracious in our life. And that grace, it should motivate us to, to want to know him more. Man, I want to grow in him. I've tasted of his grace, and I should have a, a desire for more. I should come to the word of God with an open heart and an open mind. As a, a newborn baby desires that milk, man, I want to get in the word. Why? Because I know that God is gracious, and I know that I can learn more about God when I get in. I can get closer to him. I can grow in him when I get in his word. The writer of Hebrews said it this way, the word of God, it's quick. It means it's alive. And it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, any human weapon. It's better. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of morrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I mentioned a book last year that Hannah and I read called Saving My Assassin. In this book, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna spoil it for you and you can go read it for yourself, but uh, it's, a, it's an incredible book. But in the book, the author is writing about growing up in uh, uh, Romania uh, under um, uh, Nicolae Ceausescu and uh, under that, that regime and all of the uh, just persecution against Christianity. And she's writing about this and uh, she got saved and she begins becoming an advocate, a lawyer for, uh, for Christians. I mean, it, it was, it's just a, it's a captivating book. We couldn't put it down. Read it in, I think, just a few hours on a road trip. It's an amazing book because she becomes an advocate and God begins to really use her to the point where the government starts hiring hitmen to go and kill her. One of those hitmen gets in her office to kill her and she knows he's there. He's holding a gun at her. She knows. You know what she does? She just begins giving him the word of God. She begins telling him about the Lord. It's, it's an amazing book. And he doesn't kill her, of course, because she writes the book later. <laughs> so you kind of gather that, all right? You'll know that. But you know what? Years later, years later, that man trusted Christ and God began using him. And he came face to face with her again. And he said, it was because of your faith and the word of God. Here he is with a weapon. And here she was with just the word of God. Hey, God's word is quick, it's alive, it's powerful. It's sharper than any human device, piercing the heart. So why don't I desire it more? Man, as a Christian, once you trust Christ as Savior, there's a new desire. What's the new desire? Man, I'm gonna want to grow in him more.
Why? Because the word of God is wonderful. The psalmist wrote it this way in Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord, it is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Man, I should want the word of God. Why? Because it's powerful. What should my motive be? You already have experienced his grace. You've already experienced who he is. One man said it this way. He said, when we really understand grace, it provides the incentive and the empowerment for obedience. The reason I follow the Lord is not because I'm scared of him. It's because I know him. And isn't it it true, those of you that have been saved for a while, whether you're here or watching online, once you've grown in Christ a little bit, Man, usually if you allow it to take root, you begin to see, I want more of this. I want more of this. Why? Not because I'm scared of God, but as you get to know him more, you want to get to know him more. It's just that relationship that continues to grow. That's a new desire that comes. I should have a desire when I get saved. I have a desire to throw off that old man, to be right with the Lord. I have a desire for the word of God, but then also I have a desire, a new desire to come to him, to come to him. I never really saw this until I started, until I came and prepared for this message and uh, was listening to other guys preach and, and just people that have looked at this passage. I've never seen these three words. But look at the first three words of chapter two, verse number four. It's the words, to whom coming? To whom coming? As unto a, what's the two words? Lively stone. You see it, verse number four? Look with me. To whom coming? As unto a lively stone, disallowed, the word disallowed means rejected. Rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. What's what's Peter saying? The phrase, to whom coming, is this. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, remember, your salvation, it's founded in the Word of God. You're going you're gonna to have a desire to get sin out of your life and to get back in the Word of God, and you're going to have confidence to know, I can come before Him. To whom coming, I can come to Him. I can come before Him. How can I come before Him? He is a living stone, a lively stone. Oh, he was rejected of men, but he was, Jesus Christ was chosen of God. And because of that, I am a lively stone built up in him as a spiritual house. There's a foundation that he's the foundation and I'm built upon him and being built upon him. There's layers of Christianity all built upon the foundation stone of Jesus Christ. And hey, you, since you're saved, you have opportunity to come to him and to offer those spiritual sacrifices I can come to him and worship. I can come to him and praise. I can come to him and I have access to him. Man, that's what Peter is getting at, the fact that because of Christ, we have access to God. Because of Jesus, we now uh, can enter into the holy of holies. 
And what a great truth. He was chosen of God and I received him and now I can come to him. Romans, Paul wrote this, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ or through Jesus, excuse me, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Man, Paul is writing, he's saying, hey, listen, you have access to Jesus, or you have access to God because of Jesus Christ. That's what Peter is writing about in 1 Peter chapter 2. To whom coming as unto a lively stone. Hey, you're not coming to God uh, like he's some idol, something dead. You're not coming to God like he's um, just something that people worship. No, you're coming to him as to a living stone, a living foundational truth. Because of Christ. Yes, he was rejected of men, but if you're saved, he wasn't rejected of you, and that gives you access. You also are a lively stone built up unto him, a spiritual house, in order, and you're a holy priesthood in order to bring spiritual sacrifices. Once I get saved, I can come to him. I have access to him. The, uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, I can now come to him in worship. I can come to him in prayer. I can come to him with those spiritual sacrifices. What are spiritual sacrifices? Well, we have to know. It's not physical sacrifices, Right? Peter's writing to Jew and Gentile that have been saved. He's not saying, hey, we now have opportunity to offer lambs and goats. And and he's not doing, he's not saying that. No, he says, now we have opportunity to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Well, what are spiritual sacrifices? Well, there's a few in the scripture. I'll give you two very simple ones tonight. How about Romans 12.1? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Man, once you get saved, you can offer God you. God, here I am today. I wanna offer my life as a sacrifice for you. What's another spiritual sacrifice? Well, the spiritual sacrifice of praise. I love this one, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to him. Hey, now, since you're saved, you can come to him with thanksgiving. I love this. Peter, as he continues writing, saying, hey, when you trusted Christ, your desire changed. You now have that desire. You can be close to him. But then Peter gives another reason for this in verse number seven. When he says, unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Sometime on your own, go through and read the book of 1 Peter and underline all the words precious, that he, all the times he uses the word precious. The word precious is meaning of great value. It's kind of like one of the words we saw this morning. Um, I forget which word it was, uh, but it's the, it's the same idea. Hey, he is precious. He is of great value to you. Listen, when the Lord is of great value to us, we're gonna want to grow in him and we're going to want to come to him. But then lastly tonight, our desire is a new desire to point to him. Man, once you get saved, you have a new desire, not only to be right with him and to grow in him and to come to him, but a new desire to point to him. 
This is verse 9 and 10. Notice it with me. You know the verses. If you've been in church for any length of time, you probably memorized these. But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people. So that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but, have now, but now have obtained mercy. Can I tell you tonight, because of who we are in Christ, we should want to be a demonstration to the world of the greatness of God. You see, since we're saved, we're given new identities. We looked at that last week, who we are in him. Because who we are in him changes how we view our life for him. Well, here's what Peter writes. Hey, you're a chosen generation. A generation is someone, uh, you think about genera- a family's generation, it's something logged by a DNA, a genealogy. He's saying, hey, you are a generation, you are now family with God. You're his child. You're a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, it was only a certain class of people who could be priests. You had to be of the tribe of Levi and Aaron's line and different things like that. But in the New Testament, anybody who trusts Christ, who trusts Jesus Christ, has access to God. Any one of us, we are priests. That's one of the truths we believe as Christians is the priesthood of the believer. We now have access to God, free access. We can go before him anytime. He says you're a uh, royal priesthood. He says you're a holy nation. This is not a political nation, geographical nation, but a holy nation. Hey, your home is not here. Your home is set apart. And you're a peculiar people. The word peculiar isn't like you and I would think the word is. You know, somebody you saw this week at Walmart. It's not that peculiar. No, the word peculiar, it just means you're a purchased possession for a specific purpose. That's the word peculiar. A purchased possession for a specific purpose. That's what you are in Christ. Man, since I'm new in him, I should want my life. Since Because of all of that, then Peter says that ye should show forth the prayer. Hey, you've been saved in order to point to him. Verse 10, you used to not have an identity. You were not a people, but now you are. You used to not know mercy, but now you know it. And here's the thought tonight that we wanna end with is when a person comes to Christ as their savior, a lot of things change in their life. One of those changes is we're given some new desires. A new desire to grow in him. A new desire to be right with him. A new desire to come to him. A new desire to point to him. I just wanna ask you one question tonight as we close. Are you allowing those new desires to take root in your life? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.